Hello and welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow. My name is John Lester and in today's episode we're talking about financing smart buildings in difficult times that we're facing around the world at the moment. I'm joined today by Bayat Vansa. He is the Head of Finance for Siemens Smart Infrastructure Service and Solutions Portfolio. Bayat, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, John. We've talked in a previous episode about smart buildings and the, the benefit, the values they can bring not just importantly for the occupant, for the user of the building, but also for the operator, the investor, the owner of those buildings. I think we can safely say that for many companies, for many owners, investors, this stakeholder group around the world, it's quite a difficult time to invest and to bring some of the capital expenditure in, sorry, that might be required to create these buildings. Give us a little bit of an insight on some of those challenges and some of the things that we can do to address them at a time like this. Yeah, John, granted, these are difficult times, but I'm deeply convinced that there is no better time than today to invest into smart buildings and making buildings even more energy efficient. And that is also not a reason, lack of funds is not a reason not to invest. I think there's plenty of opportunities for taking away the, the pressure on the cash flow side during the difficult times that we're going through right now. Yeah, and, and I think one of the key points you mentioned is there's no better time to invest. I think because in our last discussion, we talked about you know the safety aspect, the productivity aspect that smart buildings can bring. Now is, if any, the best time when we're under this pressure to make sure that we are the best and the most productive and the healthiest and the safest that we possibly could be. So give us an idea from that perspective. It's the best time to invest. And you mentioned that there are ways to take the pressure off this investment uh, from a business perspective. What are some of the examples that we can use to achieve that? I mean, a standard financing opportunities that are being offered these days, they're widely available also. The first one actually is a traditional customer financing. The second one is also deferred the payment agreement then, which we're very much using in conjunction with performance contracting. And the third one, which is a new business model emerging here, is energy as a service, which has a lot of advantages for investors then into uh, smart buildings and uh, upgrade of uh, building infrastructure. All right, beautiful. We get all of those examples and the next step is the same as last time. Let's dive in a bit of detail. So the first one you mentioned, I think, was customer financing. What do you mean when you say customer financing? Yeah, traditionally, customer financing would be offered to customers or for green fields for new buildings. And what they traditionally would have there is a deferred payment schedule where the customers would not have to front the entire payment, but they would be in a staggered approach. So his financing needs could be satisfied by an external bank in there or by other financing institutes. And the building would actually become under the ownership of the customer with the last payment. And in order to ensure also the efficiency of the building, this is usually coupled with performance services then during the life cycle of a building. But on the other side, also advisory services and advisory services would help turning a building even into a higher degree of efficiency then for the investor. I think one of the points you made uh, in our last conversation we expect and we see that 80% of total life cycle cost of a building is through that operation phase. Mm-hmm. So those benefits and that performance, the ability to offset the initial cost and the initial investment without any problems. Correct. And I mean, what you normally have in existing buildings on brownfield, you can also work with deferred payment agreements, which we normally do in performance contracting. So how does performance contracting work? Traditionally start with an energy efficiency audit, whereas uh, you're identifying that your building actually is not very energy efficient. But through investments into energy efficiency, that you would be able to materialize those savings then 
during the, the life cycle of a building. The building construction company normally would offer either stipulated savings, that means documenting very clearly what your savings are, or in other cases would even guarantee in pace the investment into a higher building infrastructure through cost savings on the operational side and there. And that's a very a common financing module that we have in our portfolio today. And it's always also combined with performance assurances then or also advisory services. And I can imagine now when, despite the current challenges we have that seem to be overarching many conversations, energy efficiency and climate concerns are still absolutely at the top of many of our agendas and from a company perspective as well. So I can imagine that that is just becoming more and more common as you describe of a way to improve and increase the functionality and the capabilities of the existing portfolio and building stock that people have with their investment groups. Mm -hmm. Right. For Brownfield, also for Greenfield, uh, mm -hmm. opportunity to go into an energy as a service model, which is really even more attractive than the first two that I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. This was the exciting one because you mentioned this was a bit of a new business model, something that we don't see or we haven't seen for such a long time in our industry. Give us a bit of an insight. What do you mean when you say energy as a service? Yeah, in energy as a service, the customer would actually not invest into a building, yeah? but he would actually buy the services, and these are normally also energy consumptions then during the life cycle of a building. With that, the assets need to be owned by somebody. And normally what you would have is an energy as a service company, which is a service provider that holds the assets yeah? mm -hmm. and uh, that will generate also then a return through uh, financing means there. So what it means for the customer, he does not have any CapEx, yeah? but he basically has only OPEX. And the OPEX mm -hmm. he has is the energy purchases that he does during the life cycle of the building. So it has a lot of advantages for the customer that he does not uh, require any capexes, he does not require any financing. It gets an annuity on the cost. Cost and operational expenses are a lot more predictable going forward there. And for an energy as a service company, it provides a multi-year investment opportunity with very steady returns and very safe profitability in there. Yeah, definitely. And and I could imagine that a business model like that also creates that additional inspiration to really have the highest performing building, the most sustainable and the most energy efficient asset so that everyone along that value chain has a has a successful transaction through that life cycle. Correct. It's very common into upgrading the, the building infrastructure and through that then also generating savings then um, going forward. And not just that, but it also helps you reducing your carbon footprint uh, by making buildings actually more carbon neutral. And uh, this is always something which investors are specifically also looking for. Yeah, absolutely. One last comment or question from my perspective, I could imagine, and please, I'm interested to know, we see a lot of companies now making statements, making commitments for themselves as a company. They're local within a specific country or global to reach carbon neutrality, to reach uh, certain targets from an energy efficiency, sustainability point of view. Would a, a business model like this, energy as a service, uh, enable those companies across all of their different sites, across all the different companies that they, countries, sorry, where they operate, would this be something that would enable them to achieve that more easily and find a way towards reaching those goals? Absolutely. What you have is normally also customers with a multi-country footprint, uh, mm -hmm. which requires that you also have, get, uh, receive energy as a service financing opportunities then in multi-countries. What we're offering these days as, uh, as Siemens is actually financing vehicles for 
Americas. So anywhere in Americas, we can help you financing energy as a service business models. We have uh, the same business model also uh, that we can offer in Asia Pacific. And in Asia Pacific, it really spans across multi-countries in there. And what uh, we're positioning ourselves is a reliable partner to energy as a service uh, companies on one side, and then a partner that provides a critical infrastructure to make buildings more efficient and smarter. Yeah, I understand. From your perspective, being a company that has the insight, the legacy experience and domain knowledge within smart building technologies and the energy saving sustainability technologies, does that help you to be able to address that business model, to address those opportunities more effectively? Absolutely. Yeah. So it, uh, what it does require is a long-term strategic partnership between energy as a service provider on one side and the technology provider like Siemens. Why? Because those investments will be amortized over very often also 20 or 30 years in there. Mm. So it requires uh, companies that have been around for quite a long time and Siemens has been around for more than 100 years and will be also be very successfully operating in the future there. Strategic partnerships is an important element in there, not just between the energy as a service company and the technology provider, but also between the customer uh, on mm. one side and on the other side, then the energy as a service uh, provider and Siemens. And this is what we're building up currently here all across the, the world in the different uh, geographies and also with customers. Yeah, perfect. Bayer, thank you so much. I uh, love talking in our first conversation about the benefits of smart buildings, you know, why it's the perfect time to invest. Mm-hmm. And then today talking about despite the challenges, despite the pressure that many companies or many owners, investors are seeing today, it still doesn't mean that we can't pull the trigger, we can't try some of these things and really look towards creating these buildings that offer so many benefits for all stakeholders involved. Thank you so much for the time and thank you for joining us. Thank you, John. And thank you to everyone out there who is listening or watching us here on Buildings of Tomorrow. Please feel free to like, comment or share this episode, subscribe to us on your favourite channel and keep an eye out for new episodes coming in the future. We'll see you soon.